a lot of people don't realize that social media and other online media are a forum for conversation about uh, food security, about HIV AIDS, about public health issues, about Zika, about um, the effects of a hurricane or a natural disaster. And so the sooner that our public sector and international development organizations can learn to tap into uh, those commentary and those priorities and use that to actually design and develop um, their own programs and interventions, I think that helps close that feedback loop that we're very concerned about in this field, which is better understanding what the communities and the public that you're serving actually want. Women in Diplomacy listeners, please welcome Anoush Rima Tatevasian. She is Head of Strategic Communications and Partnerships at UN Global Pulse. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Can you give us a brief introduction of your job, your role, and your work at the United Nations? Sure. So where I work is uh, a special initiative uh, launched by the UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon, and the initiative is called Global Pulse. It uh, is designed as an innovation initiative focusing especially on the need for advancing what is now known as a data revolution for sustainable development and humanitarian action. Uh, The initiative was born out of the global economic crisis back in 2007 and 2008, uh, out of a realization that in the public sector and especially in the work of international development, we are somewhat lacking in real-time information about what's going on. Uh, There's a lot of really excellent and robust data and statistics that are collected by colleagues across the UN system and by governments and ministries of health and, and beyond. Uh, which are very rigorous and very robust, but they take a long time to collect and to validate. So when you're dealing with um, more uh, fast-moving changes in socioeconomic status or, or, or crises, or even just trying to monitor the changes of a, of a program or a policy in somewhat more real time, we're actually facing a dearth of that kind of information. So this initiative was established um, and sits inside of the Executive Office of the Secretary General uh, as a way to look transversally across the UN system and and infuse a culture of innovation and looking at new sources of digital data in particular that can help bridge that gap. Um, The reason we're looking to digital data is because it's real time and it's being generated by people all the time whenever we use our phones, whenever we comment on social media, whenever a, a blog is published online, all of that text is uh, all that data is digital, and so it can be used and harnessed if you know if if done responsibly to inform development planning, policy, humanitarian response, etc. Um, and my job within the Global Pulse Initiative is uh, to lead up the strategic communications and partnerships work. Wow, what impactful work! Tell us a little bit more about what your everyday looks like. So it's very interesting. Every day is very, very different from the next. Um, Sort of being at the helm of of the strategic communications and partnerships at Global Pulse is challenging and exciting because we have so many audiences and so many stakeholders. Um, As I mentioned, by virtue of being a special initiative launched by the Secretary General of the UN, 
it needs to look across the whole system of the UN. So it's a little bit more complex than if I was just in one department and, and my stakeholders were just my colleagues in the one department. Uh, being where I am, we have to look across all of the work of the UN and all of the different agencies and offices and seeing where um, where it's relevant and important to bring out the issues of data innovation and work with our colleagues to uh, you know, br- raise awareness of the opportunities with di- digital data and data science. Um, and then similarly, with the topic being data, it's not sectoral. So it's not you know, health or economic development. It's a topic that touches on anybody's work. Anyone working on any topic, um, data can be valuable and informative and important to the planning and evaluation. So again, we don't really have one sector, which is, means we're many, many <laughs> topical audiences. And then finally, with the issue at hand being big data and innovation, means it's quite cutting edge. It sort of functions like a startup uh, here at the UN, and therefore we have to connect a lot with uh, niche communities outside of the UN system that are more in the data science and technology um, companies and communities. And so all that is just to say that we have a lot of stakeholders. Um, They all need to be communicated with through different channels, and we need different kinds of engagement models. Um, Our approach for partnering with a private sector company and the way we go about building those relationships and following them through is, of course, going to be different to how we build out uh, collaboration with a UN entity like UN Women or UNICEF or World Food Program, which in turn is different from when we're needing to do more high-level engagement, such as um, having uh, the Secretary General or another senior principal Uh, speaking to um, member states of the United Nations about big data and a data revolution for development. So every day is different. Um, It's really exciting. There are many requests for engagement that I ranging from events, presentations, conferences, media, um, developing talking points for our principals like the Secretary General or his special advisor on sustainable development. Um, reviewing content for our websites and our publications. Um, in all of that, um, for me, the important question to ask myself is what's our message? What do these audiences need to know about our work and how do they want to engage and how do they want to receive those messages? And then on the partnership side, um, my day-to-day includes sitting in on many partnerships meetings, cultivating and shepherding those relationships through a process of uh developing into more robust partnerships and collaborations. The Global Pulse has to work with a lot of different entities, especially when it comes to working on data science and data innovation projects. So we have a lot of partners and stakeholders there. And then a little bit of uh, whenever there's time, unfortunately, it's very important, but whenever there's time, also looking at strategy and the longer term positioning of many of the aspects of the initiative. So that's pretty much my day today. This is incredible. And what I sense, even just in the way that you talk about your work, is that this is truly where the future of development is happening. How does it feel to be at the center of that? But then also, is it a challenge to balance all of this, all of these lofty goals? Because you're working on the UN Sustainable Development Goals with this data as well, correct? Yes, that's right. I mean, the underlying... Uh, aim is to raise the awareness of the development community about the importance of real-time data and information for the monitoring and achieving of the sustainable development goals is just 
sort of raising the awareness that there is data out there. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's the 21st century. We have to look to more modern tools and techniques for getting information and being more responsive um, if, we, if we want to achieve the sustainable development goals by 2030. Um, it is daunting in some ways. I think that um, it is an incredible opportunity. I'm really excited about being at the center of this, this important discussion about a data revolution uh, for development. I've always enjoyed that kind of thing of, of bringing a new issue to light and, and helping build a community and a, a strategy and even a roadmap for how to talk about this issue with many stakeholders. So it's been really rewarding for me personally to do this kind of work, but I would, I would say, say you hit the nail on the head. I think it's sometimes daunting because there are so many, um, it's a big picture effort and there are a lot of competing, they're not competing goals, but there are so many goals that you can't do everything. And so one of the challenges is, uh, you know, working with my team and I have a wonderful team that I work with um, to think about what are the, you know, what are the things that are worth our time to spend our time and effort on because we can't boil the ocean, as they say. So I think that part of the challenge is, is that being where we are, there are so many inbound opportunities and the challenge is sussing them out and saying, okay, this is something that is worth our um, spending our time because there's not another party or another organization or another entity that can do this as, as we can. So that kind of evaluation that has to be made. And the other challenge, but also exciting thing, is that Global Pulse basically functions like a startup inside of the UN. So it acts like a startup inside of one of the largest international bureaucracies in the world, um, which just by that conflict of culture in a way, not so much conflict, but difference of culture, creates um, you know, challenges in its own right. You know, We want to move fast and, and work as peers with our colleagues in the technology sector, but we also have to be respectful and mindful of the pace and culture of working in diplomacy and working with the UN system, which is often a lot slower and more, more measured. And so we're sort of sometimes in between and brokering those relationships between private sector entities or outside communities that really want to engage with us and with the UN and, and setting expectation that we're not going to be moving as fast, but that we're going to be developing a, a longer term and, and perhaps a deeper engagement. You've given us an amazing perspective at the broader view and the larger goals of your work. Can you provide us with a glimpse into some of your favorite examples of how data is changing the world? Gosh, there are many examples. Um, I think you don't really have to look too far these days. When I started working at Global Pulse uh, and trying to think through how we're going to communicate about the opportunities of data science and big data for development, it was a little more difficult because it was a niche topic and we really had to work closely with um, uh, people in academia and um, universities that we knew that were working on data science and computer science to understand where the cutting edge is and what the research is showing us. And then translating the opportunities into um, communication outputs and collateral that our colleagues across the UN system could digest and understand. But today, five years later, you can't really open the news or a website uh, you know, with, with tech news or even just general interest news without seeing something about date, big data and uh, algorithms and analytics. Um, I think some of my own favorite examples are taking some of the 
experiences that private sector already has and does very well that we all know uh, and translating it to development. So one example is how private sector is very adept at looking at social media content to understand its customers' preferences, priorities, whether they like certain products and they don't like certain products. And this goes beyond just uh, simple social media monitoring. This gets into actually looking for specific keywords, um, sentiment analysis. So when a company rolls out a new product, you can be pretty sure that there's a whole team there in that company that's working with an analytics partner to measure the tone and the types of words com- uh, people are using on social media to talk about their new products to evaluate the success of their new product. I think it would be exceptional, and, a, and I hope someday in the near future, where UN entities and other development organizations are also very in tune and really listening to what the public and the communities that they serve are saying and and responding to that. Um, I think that a lot of people don't realize that social media and other online media are a forum for conversation about uh, food security, about HIV AIDS, about public health issues, about Zika, about um, the effects of a hurricane or a natural disaster. And so the sooner that our public sector and international development organizations can learn to tap into uh, those commentary and those priorities and use that to actually design and develop um, their own programs and interventions, I think that helps close that feedback loop, loop that we're very concerned about in this field, which is better understanding what the communities and the public that you're serving actually want. And I think that's, that's really uh, a big new frontier. Mm-hmm. I mean, is the idea that the end goal is to create better policies when we do ask for feedback? Yes, I think it's both about creating better policies, but and also evaluating whether certain interventions are having um, an impact. And yes, I think that, that maybe it's pretty much the, those are the two. And the third opportunity is early warning, of course. So uh, if you can sort of imagine a future scenario when um, there may be another health pandemic or another disease outbreak, there are these signals that may be already out there um, that we're perhaps not paying attention to today, because if you wait until um, official data is collected, sometimes uh, a situation like a public health issue has already made its way into the public. And it may not be a disease epidemic, but it may be issues related to false information or misinformation about HIV or other diseases that the community is perpetuating. And it's good for uh, organizations who are working such as UNAIDS or WHO or others, to be in tune and, and listening to some of those early warning signals that then they can go and, and pursue more actively. So the opportunities really are early warning, also better planning and, and, and shaping of policy, and then also evaluation. If there are students and young professionals out there that are interested in learning more about this and perhaps working on this topic one day, what would you recommend be some first steps, maybe even ideas for thesis topics that they could focus on, areas that you see need more work and focus right now? So great question. Um, To me, I think that this bridge between uh, technology and even more specifically data 
and policy is something that's going to be more and more important going forward. Um, I don't want to lump technology and data together, but just for purposes of this interview and, and our conversation today, I'll put them together because uh, in a way they are related. And I think it's important on a number of fronts. Technology and an understanding of what new technologies and new techniques, including data analytics and data science, can do is important for diplomacy and for practitioners to know. So if you are going to be in the future responsible for designing a public diplomacy campaign or a communications campaign, it behooves you as a professional to know what new media is out there and what technologies are out there and some understanding of how they work so that you can advise your colleagues and your teams uh, as to what's the best strategy and why. I think I've met a lot of people along the way who are still new to this field. I mean, we all are trying to grapple with these new opportunities and these new media and these new technologies without actually a firm understanding of what each one can do and the pros and cons. And so you get the sort of default to, oh, let's just create an app. That's not always the answer. And you need, you need people in diplomacy. And I think it's up to this new generation to be those people that can actually be smart about evaluating different, different technologies, different mediums, and helping advise their own colleagues and their own teams on, okay, well, let's think about what we want to do. And then let's work backwards to figure out what technology or what technique is valuable. So that's why I think colleagues in the future need to understand how to use technology and think about how to leverage um, new techniques like data science. But then technology is also an important issue for the future of international relations, which is the other side of the coin. So I think that also young people who are studying IR today might want to really consider thinking about the, you know, the future of international relations in the context of technology. We are facing a very digital future. I mean, there's a range of issues that's going to have to get tackled in the next 10 and 20 years um, from data privacy to security to policies of uh, internet freedom and, and other related issues. So I would encourage people who are studying today to think about those two dimensions, either getting expertise and understanding how to use various technologies and, and techniques uh, to enhance their uh, portfolio and toolbox of skills when they become future professionals in diplomacy or international relations, or to also think about working on the policy side on technology issues, because that is going to be a big, these are going to be big global issues in the years to come. Can we hear a little bit about your personal story? Was there any particular experience in your life that let you know that you were going to be a good fit for this career? Essentially, what made you go into the field of international relations? I think that it was inevitable that I was going to work in some way in an international field of work. Um, I'm Armenian by background, and I've always somewhat had a global outlook and curious about how uh, how different cultures interact, and especially being part of a, a large diaspora, as in Armenians that live outside of the country of Armenia. I've always had a view to how that dynamic shapes um, shapes your host country, the country that you live in, but also what that means for um, for the country itself. And so I think for me, working globally was always inevitable. And then working for the UN was just, I think, as many young people, a dream I'd always had. Um, to get started in my career after I finished 
university, I did some volunteer work with different NGOs. I moved to Armenia for a few years, um, worked very grassroots, uh, worked on very grassroots issues um, with development organizations to really get a sense of what it's what it's like on the ground. Um, there's nothing more valuable than seeing firsthand uh, how international development works, how NGOs work, how they interact with funders and donors and uh, the communities in which they work. Um, and so I would say those years uh, were really informative for me to get a better sense of how the world actually works, the world of development anyway. And then once I was into that, it just also became clear over time to me that communications is very important and both global communications, but also strategic communications in whatever work you might be doing, uh, whether it's for a nonprofit or an NGO or, or a larger scale development work. So that led me to the master's in public diplomacy at USC, which was a really great experience and opened my eyes to a lot of the basic fundamentals even of, of communication strategy and engagement models. And then as I was doing that, I was really witnessing the rise of digital media and new connectivity technologies. You know, I couldn't help but notice that the world is changing around us and it's being acceler the change is being accelerated largely because of mobile phones and social um, media platforms and self-publication opportunities that people now have, the democratization of, of publications and content. And so from there, I really just zoned in <laughs> I, I guess by chance, but also out of interest on this connect, this uh, connection between new media and digital technologies and international development and communications. And then from there, I mean, the UN is notoriously difficult to uh, get in, get your foot in the door because it is such a big organization. It's a labyrinth. Um, many people apply to every vacancy that's there, but I, uh, I think I just had a combination of the right place at the right time with the right background and experience um, when this um, the Global Pulse Initiative was coming together, and I was really fortunate to um, get this position and, and be here for the last five years. Do you have any career advice for young women that may be interested in pursuing a similar career path? Yes, I would say to young people to talk to people. Uh, really just try to get as much exposure as you can. And they don't have to be uh, direct. You don't always have to, you know, sit down with someone and pepper them with questions. Just being around professionals who are working in the field that you work in, if you really listen, even if they're just giving a presentation to a conference hall full of 100 people, if you listen to what they're saying, put your mind to okay, let me look between the lines of what this person is saying to better understand what drives them, what are their objectives, how do they, how do they plan their day, how do they plan their job? Because that will give you insights uh, to ask smart questions when you do have the opportunity to be face-to-face. -face. And I would say don't get discouraged if your emails are outreach that you do try to go on these one-on-one -on -one meetings get, don't get answered. Just put yourself in places where you can meet people who are doing the type of work that you think you'd be interested in pursuing. Um, that was the, that's the approach that I took. I certainly tried to have one-on-ones with people, but I also just tried to go to a lot of events, meetups, conferences, uh, ask people who might know people uh, to get an understanding of the reality of working uh, in the UN, for instance. That's, that's the example that I'm giving. Um, because you really need to understand how organizations work. 
I think that would be my second piece of advice. Um, when you're thinking about a career, it's not just the topic. Uh, you know, it's not enough to just say I'm interested in women's rights or I'm interested in human rights or I'm interested in development. Uh, to be valuable and in an organization and to even get your foot in the door in an organization, you've got to start to understand how organizations work. That's why internships are very valuable. But you can also get that exposure by um, doing a little bit of homework and talking to people who work in the types of organizations you're interested in and ask some of the questions that you might not consider the most exciting ones to ask, but that are very important. Like, what is the organizational structure? What's the organogram? What are the different offices? How do the different offices relate? When there are vacancies for entry level, where do they tend to be? These are kinds of questions that will help you when you do see vacancies to be able to apply to the right ones and know what you're getting yourself into. It's not very exciting advice, but I think it's very practical career advice. So in closing, how can we stay in touch with your work? How can we engage with you in Global Pulse? And do you have any closing words of wisdom for us? Well, I invite and encourage everyone to check out the UN Global Pulse website, which is unglobalpulse.org. Uh, we have a lot of information there, um, blog posts that are very informative about our, what we're working on. There's a rep repository of projects and a resource library as well with just some of the basic informational materials about what is big data, what is its relevance to development, etc. We're also very active on Twitter and social media. And my personal Twitter, I also try to keep up with, not as actively these days, but I do try to um, engage with um, communities there and, and, and post topics and articles of interest. I would just say that I really encourage women who are looking to a career in international affairs to cultivate that interest and translate it into practical uh, practical skills and practical assets that they can bring to the table. I think no one can deny you when you come to a meeting or you come to an interview or you go to an event and you have real value to bring to the table. And so I would really encourage young women to do as much as they can to dive in, to really dive into their topic, not just be a generalist or not just be interested, but really get into working with an organization, spend some time where you are, Maybe even consider staying in a job longer than you think you should, because I think the longer you stay, the real, the longer you understand the dynamics of how organizations work and how the real world works. And that can only help you as you go further and further in your career.